If you build it, they will come. These are the famous lines from the movie Field of Dreams, narrated by one of the greatest voice talents in American cinematic history. And for any of us who played baseball or any of us who had the pleasure of watching that movie, it was an inspiring line. If you build it, they will come. And in a certain sense, that kind of applies to everything. If you build a church, people usually show up. If you build a school, people will fill the seats for a while. If you make a new golf course and country club, it'll find fame. If you build a Texas roadhouse, it will stay busy for the rest of its entire life. But if you build it, they will come, has for a long time been the standard model of Catholicism in America. As long as we have buildings, as long as we have schools, as long as we have some kind of something, people will keep coming. But the evidence says quite the contrary. As a nation, mass attendance has dropped almost 30% in the past 20 years. Belief in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist as his body, blood, soul, and divinity has dwindled to somewhere around 25% of quote-unquote practicing Catholics believe that. And the list goes on and on. More acutely in our parish, the reality is, is we have three Sunday Masses in English, none of which are full, and we could easily combine into one and a half Masses if you really wanted to break it down. The Spanish Mass, however, sits at close to capacity or overflowing most Sundays, in large part due to a large amount of immigration that's occurred in recent history. But our parish is not so unique. In the southern part of this country, overwhelmingly, churches are becoming more and more largely Hispanic. In the north, parishes are just shutting down. In the Midwest, where some hold out some hope because Germans are too stubborn to leave the faith, churches remain mildly full, yet still dwindling. Schools are shutting down. There's not enough priests to supply for the needs of parishes that need to no longer exist, and the story of sadness could go on and on. But, brothers and sisters, it is built upon the idea that if you build it, they will come. And that's just not true. Why? Because Christ never built a church. He didn't build a physical building and say, everybody come here. He spent time with 12 men, basically, and his mom and a few other people. A majority of his time he spent with them, teaching them, talking to them, helping them, living with them. That's basically what he did. And at times, very specific times, he would teach larger crowds. He would invite them to consider their lives and consider how they're living and encourage them to turn away from things that were hurting them. He worshipped with his Jewish brothers and sisters. We see that. He was a man who was found in the temple with regularity. And at the Last Supper, he established the new covenant and the new form of worship that has been handed on to the apostles and given to us that we call the Mass. So he put a basic sense of that institution in place. However, he did not say, if you build it, they will come. He said to his apostles and his disciples before he ascended into heaven, 
Go therefore and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them all that I have taught you. And so we got to flip the script a little bit. If you teach them, they will come. If you teach them, they will come. Overwhelmingly in the South, we have, every one of us have encountered that simple question, is Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? Now, whether it was asked directly or indirectly, at some point you all got asked that question. I know it's always funny for people who move here from the Northeast, they're like, that's shockingly personal. Why would somebody ask you such a question? Well, because they want you to come to church with them. They don't have a mentality, well, we've got a building so people will show up. Largely, evangelicals outdo us all the time because they are always willing to ask that question. Is Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? And then if he's not, or if you say yes, they'll ask you why. And that's where we have to become teachers. You see, teaching why you actually come to church is important. Any of you who are parents know that at some point your kid, if they haven't already, will rebel and ask questions about why they have to go to church. Why is God important? And if you can give them an encyclopedic knowledge of who Jesus is as a person because he's actually changed your life, you will give your kids a great gift. But if all you can say is we go because, because is not a reason. It's not. And it's not fair to say to a child or to say to a friend just because. Because that, dear brothers and sisters, is not leading them to anything. Because is not an actual reason. But if we can say because he's changed my life in these ways, and I'm willing to share that with you, I'm willing to go into the depths of the darkness that I may have experienced, or maybe you've, by the grace of God, never had to experience great and tremendous suffering and sorrow and frustration with your bad choices, but you can speak to God's persevering presence in your life, that's a story worth telling. And that's the story we need to be sharing. The truth is, it's not the priest's job to convert the whole world. The priest's primary responsibility is to convert and keep you coming back to worship God. It is you who are the teachers of truth to the world. It is you who are the evangelists and the witnesses of God's persevering love. So, looking at this question... Can I be a teacher of truth? Am I willing to do that in my life? I want to encourage you to think about a few things. And firstly, just before I really get into this, is to recognize this is not a country club. We're not inviting people to come here and feel good. We're not inviting people to come here and have the best food or have the greatest golf course. We're inviting people to come be a part of the life of Christ because their salvation and ours depends on it. The stakes are really high. In this conversation, it's about eternal life with God or eternal life without him. And so we're not trying to propose to people that we have the best Sunday brunch. Although we do, we have Jesus incarnate who comes to us in the Eucharist. But to consider these few things as teachers of truth, 
as disciples who are following Christ. Maybe you have that very common sense argument, I don't know what I'm talking about. Can you tell somebody why you fell in love with your spouse? Just think about that. It probably doesn't make a lot of sense to other people. (laughs) Oftentimes, love is somewhat blind and irrational. Well, the greatest love story of your life is the love you have with God. Because God does not need you, and he does not need me. He is perfectly love unto itself, Father, Son, and Spirit. But defying all reason, he stretches across the cosmos into the depths of our heart and gives us his own heart and his son. That's mesmerizing. So understanding that we can share that story of God's love in our life, you don't have to have a theology degree to do that. But knowing a little bit about why he actually makes a difference in your life, that's what we need to be learning how to share with others. So learning that you can share your story and having the grace to do that is something to begin with. Learn that story for yourself. Know that story so you can share it with others. Secondly is to use common sense. We live in the most literate and culturally probably Catholic-rich society in the world. We have more available to us in terms of information and data than ever before. And it doesn't take, again, a theology degree to understand much of what is being written. So taking advantage of resources that are offered to you for free on the internet, through this parish, all the way, many ways that we teach to encounter that knowledge of Christ so that you can then share that knowledge of Christ with others. And thirdly, is, as we see in the scriptures today, is just to begin with the simple humility of St. Peter that says, Jesus, I am a sinful man. All of us, including me, most especially, I have to tell you, all of us need to be humble before God and realize He is God and we're not. In the prophet Isaiah, we see this, Woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips, living among people of unclean lips. But our Lord gives him the strength. He purifies him with that burning coal. He purifies him of his uncleanness. And same with St. Paul, that he cannot teach anything other than Christ because he knows he is a weak man. In humility, brothers and sisters, we begin again every Mass saying, I confess. But truly to encounter God in his mercy, we must go to confession. We must have the humility to admit we are sinful people. And with that grace that he gives us, as the psalm says, In the sight of angels, I will sing your praise. As I said, if we build it, I promise you, we'll have to close it. Maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, but in ten years, easily, we'll close it. But if we teach the love of Christ, we will fill everything. Every church, every school, every hospital with loving Christians. So let's get to work.